Amen. Well, praise the Lord for the clock. I'm not expecting a phone call. Uh, I've never gotten a phone call during service time. Never. I got one one night. I was preaching in a revival on Monday night. And the phone kept ringing. I said, whose phone is that? And it was mine. So, so anyhow, we praise the Lord to be here and thank God for the good music. Uh, I like the banjo. I call that mountain music, and I love it. I was in a conference years ago. Dr. James Seitler's subject was church music. And he said the first instrument played in Baptist churches was a banjo. Now, I would have thought it would have been a piano or an organ, but he said it was a banjo. And I appreciate it. All the good music, good oh, yeah. choir oh, yeah. music. And, and my wife said, how would you like to have a dollar for every note our sister has hit on that piano? I said, wouldn't that be wonderful? We could go south for the winter, every one of us. That's, that's for sure. That's for sure. What a joy it is to be here. And the pastor mentioned that text, and I assure you I've not touched it since that day. I'm, I'm afraid to. Amen. I'm afraid to. But it is a blessing. I have looked forward to this day. I really have. The pastor tried to work it out in February because I originally was going to retire from pastoring in February. That would have been 41 years. But it just didn't work out with some situations. So we had to move it up to April. And but then his schedule was just completely loaded. And I appreciate you, Pastor. Uh, I thought yesterday something I would say. And only God knows what he has in purpose for this great work. You've got the right leader. He has a vision. And he's a man of prayer and God has answered his prayers again and again. And so, I mean, I, I probably will be in heaven by then. But it's amazing what I feel in my soul that God has for this ministry. But I would encourage you to stay with it. Amen. There's a great text over in Joshua 3. For the Lord shall do great things among you. And I really believe that with all my soul. But that's not my text for today. All right? So we'll be in the book of Hebrews. And I'm going to cross three great texts on my way to my text. And then I'll cross three after I pass my text. This is a just a very rich book and a very rich passage. I preached in a jubilee meeting in Virginia out of the book of Ruth. And when I sat down, a preacher from Missouri followed me. He said, Ruth is the richest book in the Bible. Well, I wouldn't argue that. I don't know. But this is a rich one here. 
and I appreciate so much God's goodness and grace to our lives. Allowing us to come to the room is just very, very nice. And all your kind words, thank you. And your blessing my life with a taught word this morning and with all the good music. We are in chapter 10, Hebrews chapter 10. I want to begin our reading at verse 26, and we'll read to the end of the chapter. Here's the first great text. For if we sin willfully after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much sore punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified and unholy thing and have done despite under the spirit of grace. That's the second great text. For we know him that has said vengeance belongeth unto me. I will recompense saith the Lord and again the Lord shall judge his people. Here's the third one. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But call to remembrance of former days in which after you were illuminated, you endured a great fight of afflictions, partly whilst you were made a gazing stock both by reproaches and afflictions, and partly whilst ye became companions of them that were so used. For ye had compassion on me and my bonds, and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that you have in heaven a better and an enduring substance. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. Here's the first after. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. The second, now the just shall live by his faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. And the third, but we are not of them who draw back under perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Now, if you will, just keep your Bibles open because we're going to be looking quite a bit at our text and trusting our good Lord to say something to us that will help us this morning. Would you please unite with us before the throne of grace? Father, we are so thankful to be in your house this morning, to have our spirits lifted and our souls enriched by your divine presence. Thank you for the beautiful singing and music and the great taught word that we heard out of Jeremiah. But Lord, thank you more for your presence 
that you've come to visit in the heart and the lives of your people. And I pray, Lord, that you'll continue to abide here. And I pray you will touch us and use us for your glory and for your honor. Bless this church, this dear pastor, his family, and bless his vision that you've given him. And Lord, help him to see it to fruition, we pray. We ask our prayer in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for standing. And you must be seated. So I'm sure by now you surmised our text out of verse 35. Cast not away therefore your confidence. Let me remind you of some things the apostle reminds this church of and tries to exhort them. In fact, we read in the last chapter, suffer this word of exhortation. So the whole book of Hebrews is a book of exhortation. The apostle is exhorting these people who are facing such adversity as we read in our text and the pressure from the outside of the Judaizers that they are contemplating the possibility of going back into Judaism. And so the apostle is writing, exhorting them. That's why you find the word greater, you find the word better over and over again. What you have in Christ is greater. What you have in Christ is better than anything Judaism had to offer you. And so he presents all of these reasons why that they ought to continue. But I think the uh, key passage to the book of Hebrews begins at chapter 5, verse 11, and runs through the opening portion of the first verse in the sixth chapter. And here, in these verses, Paul reminds them of this great place they must arrive at. Strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age. And we have never seen a time that there's so much anemic, uh, so many anemic Christians in our day. And they call the meat of the word hard preaching. And I don't know where all of that comes from, but that is meat. We are to grow. And so he said they belong to them that are of full age. In other words, uh, people who have digested the meat of the word of God and let it develop them. Now milk will keep a baby alive. And it does, it starts it in its growing process. But if that's all that baby ever gets, it is not going to ever mature. It's going to have to have some meat. It's going to have to have some vegetables. And then he says this, let us go on to perfection. Let us reach that plateau that God had in mind when he saved us by his marvelous grace. Let's get there. And we can if we'll take the meat of the word of God and allow God to work in our hearts and lives. 
five warning passages. There are many warning verses, but five significant warning passages in the book of Hebrews. And it begins in chapter two, where there it has to do about giving heed to the word, lest at any time we should let them slip. And it's a picture word there of something drifting by. And so when a person starts drifting from the word, and that's going on, God help us today, drifting from the word, letting the good means of growth and development in our life as a Christian slip on by and not taking it in, allowing it to do what God would have it to do in our life will eventuate in our doubting the word of God. And then when we begin doubting the word of God, it's going to cause us to become dull before the word of God. And so that Paul realizes this is taking place here in the Hebrew Christians and he's writing to encourage them. And notice with me from here on out, and of course I'm not going to read all of them or mention all of them, but our text is cast not away therefore your confidence. And we come to chapter 12 and he tells them looking unto Jesus. Now that is an interesting word. He deals in chapter 11. And I know this is controversial. I have not discussed it with your pastor at all. And I heard just recently that he was talking about the saints who had died and were looking back on us here on the earth, that great cloud of witnesses. And I'm not going to take issue here, but I think the context of that has to do with those saints who ran the race who pleased God, who honored the Lord with their life. And Paul is reminding them, uh, Abel and Enoch and Noah and on down the line, these men who walked with God, Abraham and Moses, and uh, who accomplished great feats for the glory of God. And so Paul is saying in so many words, as it closes out chapter 11, now you've got it down. Now you see somebody who has run the race. Now you see somebody who has kept the faith. Now you see somebody who has finished the course. Now think about that a little while. And while you're thinking about that, turn completely away from that and looking unto Jesus who is the author and the finisher of our faith. And then he says this, I want you to consider him that endured. And then he says, looking diligently, all this in the same chapter, chapter 12, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God. Now, the grace of God is not going to fail us. No, but we can fail by using the availability of the grace of God that is given us, that we may run this race, that we may be faithful unto our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, the context of our text embraces and enhances the theme of this epistle. And if we're going to take it, even with a key passage, 
then it has to do with continuance. And if we cast away our confidence, there's no way we're going to be able to continue this race that God has put us in. Now, this is a different sermon altogether, but the Apostle Paul, for example, now, he was interested in more than entering into the race. And in those days, Pastor, and of course, I know you're aware of this, and you Bible professors who are here of your Bible college, in those days, a man had to train for a year or longer than a year just to be considered worthy of entering into that contest. Amen. Amen. You didn't go up and show out and they say, that's great, we'll take you in. You had to go through severe training in order to be considered to enter into that contest. Well, Paul was interested in more than entering into the contest. And he knew that, and he was interested in more than being running when the trumpet sounded or the Lord called him, but he wanted to finish that course with joy. And that's where you and I ought to ask God to help us in these days. It's sad when we see so many people who profess Christ that are sadder than the world. And they, and they are, they are complaining and bickering all the time about everything that's going on. My soul, we are saved for eternity. We have a home in heaven that Christ has prepared for us. You sing about it in the choir. I mean, we ought to be the happiest people on the face of the earth. God is good to us. And we can talk to the one who said it is and it was. Amen. And all the blessing God has poured upon our life. And Lord, may he help us to continue in this race. Amen. I've done turned the fourth corner and headed for the finish line. I don't want to quit now. Amen. I don't want to cast away my confidence now. If the Lord has kept me this long, whatever he has for me, he's going to keep on keeping me and he's going to bless me just like he's going to bless you and he is going to help us. Now, these Hebrew believers had stopped short of the goal that God had for them and Paul uh, took it upon his heart and I believe he did right, Hebrews. If you didn't, that's all right. And so anyway, he, uh, for that sake, the, um, the author of Hebrews, the apostle, amen, who wrote uh, Hebrews here. And so he took it on his heart. Hey, here is a great potential. And I'm going to write them a letter. And, and I'm going to encourage them because God can help them. He took the people to his heart. And so many, just like so many of his letters to the churches were, and he was exhorting and encouraging them to go on. Hey, you have to deal with sin. You have to name sin. You have to preach on sin. You have to describe sin and on down the line. Amen. But I'm telling you, every once in a while, we ought to be able to come to the house of God and get exhorted and encouraged in the things of God. 
Hey, listen, I don't rub shoulders with the world every day like many of you do. You're out there in the workforce and people are taking God's name in vain using all kind of vulgarity and you're looking at all types of nudity and you just mention it or you just name it and you see that every day. Thank God for a place where you can come and the choir get up and sing and lift your spirits up and say, Lord, I believe I've got enough strength this morning to make it another week. Hallelujah. Amen. And Lord, just in case I'm, I don't get enough, I'm coming back tonight. Amen. And I'm going to get filled up and I'm going to get here on Wednesday night. Amen. This world is wicked and ungodly and God's people need something to encourage them. Thank God for a church such as this. As Brother Donnie Burns looked at me a moment ago and said, Brother Jones, I believe we've met the worship. Amen. You worship God, it'll do something for you that nothing else will do. Hallelujah. This is the hardest place in the world to stay on the text. I've ever preached it in my life. It's not your fault, it's mine. What is that goal? Perfection. Let us go on to perfection. You mean being perfect? No. I mean developed. I mean developed. I lived in Florida for years and the palm trees next to the ocean, many of them were like this. That wind would blow constantly off of the ocean. And of course the storms would come through. Heavy winds would blow and they'd blow those trees. But they still had an upward go. They were headed upward. And I've seen many of them like that. And we face storms of life. And we may get pushed aside. And we may get pushed over. In fact, we may in this race bent. But I'm going to tell you right now, I want to end it. I want to end it still looking up. Amen. Toward the God that made me and saved me by his marvelous grace and by his help, I'm going to do that. Now, here's what the apostle is exhorting them to do. And surely he is not exhorting them to recede. Well, the tribute, the, uh, oh boy. Here it comes again. I'm sorry. Isn't it amazing when the preacher gets a little tough, we call it, but all he's doing is just telling us what the Bible said. And he gets, well, let me say it like this. He gets pretty close to our corn roll. Amen. Let me say it like that. He gets plowing pretty close to our, our corn row. And so we think, you know, on down the road a little bit, I, I wouldn't have to listen to that. Amen. I mean, I mean, we got all kind of brands today. Uh, anything you're looking for, you can find it somewhere. You're going to find somebody who's going to preach just exactly uh, what you won't said. Amen. And so we, we would think, you know, what we can do is we, we can go down there and get out of this. We don't have to listen to so much of these things. And, and so we can just cut back a little bit. Well, we're saved and we're still going to heaven, and I mean, amen, and we're still going to heaven, but we don't have to put up with all this, uh, how y'all to look, and how y'all to talk, and where y'all to stay out of, and 
Amen. I mean, we'll just go down there. We're still going to heaven and everything. And I'd be afraid of an attitude like that. I'd be afraid of an attitude like that. I really would. And so we can just back up and slack off a little bit. And your dear pastor, I know how he is bombarded because I was for 41 years in the same church. And so he's bombarded over and over again. If you just back up a little bit, if you just recede a little bit, if you just let a few things by and let a few things go, Amen. And and then, you know, you could back up a little bit and you still have a crowd. In fact, you get more. Amen. You get more if you do that. But the apostle is not telling them here to recede, to back up a little bit. No. Nor is he telling them to remain where you are. Boy, you have you've come a long ways, and so I think it's just wonderful where you've arrived and let me just tell you what great things you've done. No, he said there's a distance out there that you are yet to go and develop for the cause of Christ. These young men sitting on the front row here, these young ladies sitting on the second row. Boy, can you imagine the potential that's sitting right here? If these are developed for the glory of God, can you imagine Can you imagine how much more heaven might have by the lives of these people here if they're developed? And so the preacher, he just got to keep going. And so here's what he's saying. I don't want you to recede. I don't want you to back up a little bit. Nor am I satisfied with you remaining where you are. But I want you to resolve in your heart to go on to perfection. Amen. Amen. I thought surely in the Christian life there would be a place you would reach you could coast a little while, but that's out. Amen, that is out. I'm sorry, any young preachers in here, you forget it. Amen, you forget it. There's no coasting. As old brother Bob Cone said, it's all uphill, brother. Amen, there is no coasting. And and we get closer to the end of the race. We want to try harder. We want to become more like Jesus Christ. We want to honor him with our life, we love reading the Bible. We love studying. Amen and amen. Now, with all of these things said, this, as you all are aware, it's called Hebrews because it was written to the Hebrew believers. And it does have a Hebrew slant to it. You, you catch that with the offerings and the tabernacle and all, all the teachings that are here. And it was written to Hebrew believers. But there is teaching in this book for us. I am a dispensationalist, but I'm not a hyper dispensationalist. And some of these fellows teach that Hebrews is not for the church today. It is for the church today. Even though it may not have been written to the church it was written to the church of Hebrew believers, that's for sure. And may I say unto you, it is written for us. Everything, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Paul is talking about the Old Testament scriptures. We get doctrine out of that. We get reproof out of that. We get correction out of that. We get instruction in righteousness out of that. 
All the Bible may not have been written to us, but it surely was written for us. Now, notice with me, please, in, in the reading of our text, what Paul points out to these Hebrew believers. Now, remember, our text says, cast not away, therefore, your confidence. Stay in the race. Progress in your life for the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the message of the Hebrew epistle. Notice, first of all, he points out their conflict. In verse 32 and verse 33, we read this, a great fight of afflictions. And then he talks about them becoming a gazing stock. In other words, as if they were in an arena and the people were looking on as they were being mocked. Anybody know anything about that? As they were being mangled and even as they were being murdered, we got these huge crowds of people that hated Christians and, and they were persecuting them as they were and they were being watched. It's terrible to have to go through things such as these Hebrew believers were going through. But how much more terrible than to have an audience looking on and observing everything that's taking place in their life. Then, But notice something else he points out here. And he points out their courage in verse 32. And in verse 34, we read, ye endured. You stood up. You handled this. Amen. You handled this. No matter what came your way, you endured that. Look where you have come from. Amen. Look what God has done already in your life. Look what you've endured. All of these endured a great flight of affliction. Endured being made a gazing stop. And then look at 34. This is, uh, this really takes the grace of God. You took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, things that God had blessed your life with and things that you had worked hard for and you've had these things and now they come in and they take all these things away and you took that joyfully. You you were not complaining and crying about this matter, but you had joy in your heart. When all of these happen, so Paul is saying, yes, you've been in great conflict. Yes, you have shown forth courage while all these things were taking place. Now, the next word is a word that we may not use too often, uh, commiseration. But let me tell you about this word and why I chose it. It, A synonym, and I could have easily used it, is compassion. But this particular word means fellow feeling. In other words, you feel the same thing the fellow is feeling. That is real. You can be sympathetic towards someone without having that fellow feeling. To me, this is a stronger word. Listen to what he says in verse 33 and 34. You became companions of them so used. It's not, you may not have had to have done everything that all of the believers 
have gone through, but you became companions of them. And uh, when uh, John uses that word over in the Revelation, and he talks about being a companion of all them, that were going through hard and difficult time. And that word meant out of the same womb. Yes. And so here you are experiencing the same thing. Even though you may not be going through it, you're feeling what that person went through. Amen. And you know, a lot of times people are, and I heard this preacher use this example. I thought it was so, so good. And I believe it fits here. He said, this woman in the church had a little uh, baby that died, just died suddenly, and said he went to her home, and his wife went to the home. They put their arms around her. They encouraged her, and they prayed with her, and they let her know that our hearts are with you. We'll do anything we can this side of heaven to help you. And he said somebody else came by, maybe one of the deacons, the same thing. But all of them left unfulfilled because none of them had lost a baby. That's right. But said in a little while, a woman came in and said, I know where you are. Yes. I had a little baby and he died. Yes. And said that woman could feel what that woman was feeling. Amen. Now, we could reach out with words and we could reach out with gestures, but we couldn't feel that's what right. that woman was Amen. feeling. But this woman who had done, and so that's the picture here. That's what they're doing. They are having the same feeling. And listen to what Paul says in verse 34. You had compassion on me in my bonds. Here I am in jail, in prison, and you're feeling just like you yourself was here. I don't know anything that would help and give a greater comfort than someone to enter in to your feelings with you. Do we not have a great high priest who can be touched with a feeling of our infirmities? I mean, he feels what you feel. Amen. He feels, and that's in this same epistle here, chapter four. He feels what you feel. This woman was feeling what this mother was feeling when she lost her little baby. But notice the fourth thing he points out to them in our text, verses 34 and 5. He points out their consolation. So he says, knowing in yourself that you have in heaven a better an enduring substance. You may have lost it here, but you had not lost it all. Amen. I'm telling you what you've laid up over there. Uh, thieves are not going to break through in steel. And moth and rust is not going to corrupt. Amen. It's kept safely in, in the master's hand. Knowing in heaven, you have, a, you have a better, you have an enduring substance. There's not anything here that we know for sure we have. We say, I own my house, but don't pay your taxes and see who will own it. And, and we own our car, uh, don't buy a tag and see. You know what I'm saying? We, can, we don't have one thing 
for sure we can say is ours. But hallelujah, in that world to come, we have much over there that we know that is theirs. Amen. And they sing about it. What a Savior is mine. Hallelujah. We've got a Savior and nobody can take him from us. We have a home that he's prepared for. No one can take that from us. We have riches, treasures we've laid up over there. Nobody can take that from us. And so Paul, notice here, conflict, courage, commiseration, consolation. And then he points out their cheer in verse 37. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come. Just keep on keeping on. Just keep on, Brother Burns. God bless your heart, brother. Keep on keeping on. Amen. He's coming. Amen. He's coming. He said he's coming. Amen. He's, and he is going to come. He's never lied, and he's not going to lie about this. He is coming again. Then listen to the challenge that he lays upon him in verse 38. He said, the just shall live by faith. Amen. One of these days, our faith is going to end in sight. But until that day comes, Brother Danny, we just keep, we just keep walking. Amen. We just keep walking. Amen. On this road of faith, it's not always easy. We weren't promised anything easy, but the Lord is going to come. We believe that with all of our heart. Then listen to the confirmation. I'm going to deal with this more later on. But in verse 39, the confirmation, we are not of them that draw back into perdition. Amen. We're going on. We're going on. Amen. We're going on. Now, notice here. The apostle has been reminiscing of the things that's been taking place in their life. And we enter now into chapter 11. He starts this reminiscing again. But presently, he is admonishing them. What is he saying to them? Here's what he's saying to them in my way of thinking. Don't dwell on the perplexities and problems of life. Don't do that. Now, let me tell you this. And I'm not your pastor. Don't spend much time watching the best news program there is. And that's Fox. That's the best. But don't spend much time from that thing. You're going to be depressed. Hey, can I tell you something? The Lord didn't send us down here, and He's not commissioned us to straighten this mess out anyhow. Because you know what? He's going to take care of that, Brother Jack. When he comes, Pastor, he's going to take care of that. But I want to tell you what he put us down here for, to be a light. Amen. To be a light and to be the salt of the earth. Salt does not cure corruption, but it'll stop the spread of it. And that's what God has put the church down here. You and I are to do. So may the Lord help us to be faithful. Don't dwell on these things. Every one of us in here has got problems. I heard Brother Milford Biddle say many years ago, he was, I, I think he just said this 
I believe he just said it to me. He said, did you hear about the man that met the other one in the clothing store? And he said to him, he said, hey, brother, said, I haven't seen you in a long time. said, how are you doing? He said, you really don't want to know, do you? I said, that guy said, not really. I don't have time. <laughs> and that's the way we are. Have you ever heard two people sit down talking about their aches and pain? Boy, isn't that comforting? I mean, don't you just love to be in that midst, in that conversation? Because I don't care. <laughs> oh, I can't tell this. I'd like to, but I can't tell this. But, but it's amazing how you, uh, you know, one come up with something and the other one's had that twice, and, uh, but she's had something a whole lot worse. Or he, amen. Let's not put it off on, all on the women. Amen. All right, but don't spend your time dwelling on that. Every one of us in here has got problems. We've got problems. I've got problems. I've got perplexities. I don't know how I'm going to get out except God's going to get me out. And God's going to lead us. And God, every one of us in here have that. But here's what he's saying by this passage here. I want you to delight yourself in the pilgrimage provisions. What God has given you. Amen. To make this pilgrimage safe. To make this pilgrimage all the way to its end. And then he's saying, I want you to delight yourself in the purpose. What are we down here for? To make a name for ourselves? To leave a legacy that someone may remember us by? Why are we here? We're here for one reason. That's to glorify Christ. In our life as we go, that is our purpose upon this earth. And then the prospects of our pilgrimage. Thank God one day it's going to end. Amen. It's not going to always be like this. Amen. Now let me just quickly go over this and we'll, we'll be done. But we will soon be done with the trials in the ways. When they're coming, some of you dear people here, I've known you for many, many years and I know some of the situations you've been through. I don't know all of them, but I know some trials come along the way. Let us never forget where trials come from. The Lord sends them into our life to help mold and help develop us. Uh, And I remember Dr. John McCormick said this, the seaworthiness of the vessel will never be known until it's put in a storm. Troubles in the way. Trouble, trouble, trouble. I've never heard of so many things going on. And I'm I'm talking about big things. I'm not just talking about little troubles here that maybe a few dollars will get you out of. I'm talking about things that if God don't get us out of them, we're not going to get out of them. I'm talking about cancer and, and good godly men who's walked the trail for the Lord and, and just all homes breaking up and just everything going on. Tribulation upon the way. In the world, Jesus said, ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And that's the world. Tribulation always comes from the world. Temptation comes from the devil. Tribulation always comes from the world. Amen. And I'm telling you, we're going to face it. And, and we just have to realize that. We have to go along with it, Pastor. We're, we're not going to get it out of the way. Amen. 
If the world hate you, you know it hated me before it hated you. If you were the world, the world would love its own, but because you're not out of the world, but because I've chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. So the Lord made it plain to those disciples. And I told our church this not long ago, and I've got to quit, but I heard our church, I told our church this not long ago. I said, some of you people better make your mind up. I got a little brave. Yes, sir. Most of the time I don't ever dress my people like that. But I said, some of you people better get it in your head. Everybody is not going to like you. There are some people that no matter what you do, they are not going to like you. So set it in your thick, I, I was really getting wild then. I said, set it in your thick heads. Everybody's not going to like me. Some people are going to despise me, amen, and hit the trail for Jesus and go on. Don't worry about that. Let God handle what you can't fix. Oh, Lord, help us. Tears along the way. Tears, tears, tears and tears. Well, a little while, sickness is going to be over. A little while, sorrow will be no more. A little while, suffering will be a thing of the past. And a little while, separation will never happen again. Amen. Just a little while. Amen. Just a little while. He's going to come. I don't know how how long it's going to be, but I promise you, he's going to come. And when he comes, these things... A lot of things down here that, that may have pushed us off to the side of the main course. What was it? Uh, the trials of the road will then seem as nothing, something along that line in a song. Sure, that's right. Sure, that's right. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence. Don't do it. Hang on to it. It's worked. It led all of them through. It's led thousands you know through, and it's going to lead us through. Amen. It's going to lead us through. Pastor. Amen. Let's all stand.